Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph, and you're locked into Burgundy Radio for round uh, for the training camp round of the NHL's return to play. Coming up on the show, we're going to talk about training camp battles. We're going to talk about some things that have happened with uh, you know with the league since the last time we talked. Some new CBA stuff is going on. They uh, no matter how much everyone hyped up using Vegas as a hub city, that didn't happen. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna get into all these sorts of things. Um, before we do any of that, I need to let you know who's going to be doing that with you. Joining us as always is Earl 06. Hello, Earl. Hello, friends. And also joining us as always is Tiger Vixen. How are you, Jackie? I'm great. How are you? And of course, joining us is you. Thank you so much for joining us in the middle of July for hockey. What What the hell? Um, our schedule for the foreseeable future is, is completely reactive to what the NHL does. So you um after this show, you you can you'll expect to hear from us again sometime later in the day on Saturday, August first, um, and that'll be our round zero preview, um, kind of talking about the play-in games and the round robins, and then you can hear from us again the following either Sunday or Monday, depending on when things are settled for the apps. So all of this, of course, is dependent on shit not hitting the fan and things going down how it's supposed to. Um, if, if a whole team ends up coming down with, with SARS and nobody can, like, they, they postpone things and we'll obviously be postponing things too. But if everything goes according to plan, we'll be here. Um, so the, the, I think the first thing that happened is, uh, that we're, we're, our hub cities are in Edmonton and Toronto. How do y'all feel about two Canadian cities? It's probably the right call. <laughs> Um, you know, they have the facilities to do it. They're not dealing with sort of what the southern and western part of the United States is dealing with as far as outbreaks and whatnot. So um, I, I, I think it, it's it's sort of the smart decision. I think Vegas would have really done a good job with it and it, it would it would it would be very easy to hold it there, but it just wasn't meant to be. Yeah, I wouldn't have worried about Vegas because the way their facilities are set up is the easiest to create a bubble. And Edmonton, the other day, had a flood. So they have to deal with that, which yeah, shouldn't that impact. <laughs> it, I guess they had a large hailstorm and a flood, and and the Oilers did practice that next morning, so it wasn't like affecting the hockey operations part of the facility, but still quite funny that they just need to hold things together for the next couple weeks so that of course they have a flood so um <laughs> but i yeah it's i think it's easier to keep everything in one country kind of under one sort of circumstances or rules or whatever so i'm sure edmonton and Toronto both be good hosts and and they certainly have the facilities to meet all the needs of of what these teams have well, from what I've heard, the Edmonton will be able to kind of make their zone to sort of be around the arena and the hotels, like just kind of all in one place. Or maybe Toronto has a little bit more kind of having to bus back and forth, but Edmonton is pretty much just all right there. So, I mean, that that all kind of plays into it as well. Along with, well, first of all, let me apologize for the noise of my air conditioner. It's very hot where I live. I don't know if it's very hot where you live. It's very hot where I live. And the air conditioner's loud, and I'm going to do what I can to remove it, but I can't guarantee you're removing all of it. So you're going to hear some of that noise. Sorry about that. Um, the, uh, 
the, the, the zone around Vegas would be very easy to set up, too, for reasons that we've talked about. But it's almost like the state of Nevada's decided, we don't want this. We'd rather have COVID. And just yeah. started reopening everything. I definitely got the impression that there were those in power that were rooting for Toronto to get one of the cities as well. Well, I think they wanted one Canadian location. I don't know if it's political or, hey, having the exchange rate be 30% cheaper, that helps too. But I, I think they really wanted one. I don't know about both, but that's just how it worked out. Yeah, I just I, I think for Canadian TV partners, it'd be really easy for them to deal with Toronto rather than Vegas. Um, you know, and it's just <clears throat> there, there's there's so much NHL infrastructure right there that it just it's easier for them to to make this cost effective. Um, but on the other hand, Toronto is a very expensive city, so I don't know. But <clears throat> it it definitely it definitely seemed like. Toronto was gaining momentum for reasons other than the obvious. Well, I think a big turning point was when they allowed, and I always forget what this the place is called, the, the, the grounds or whatever the heck it's called. I just can never remember the name of that. So sorry, Canadians, I don't remember the name of it. But when Toronto agreed to give them that whole area, as part of their bubble, I, I think that really jumped them to the top of the list. For a while, one of the cities that, that was in the running to be, you know, hub Canada was Vancouver, and then that ended up not panning out because the Vancouver government wanted to have very strict regulations on everything, and, you know, that's that's to their credit for in in some way, but it also prevented them from getting one of these hubs and one thing i honestly don't understand is why they're why people would be clamoring for their cities to get these hubs like if, yeah if if you and the league can work it out you can like if you're you know in government or in one of these in a position to you know make some money from you know staffing the hotels and whatever then cool but like if you're a fan in these cities why yeah exactly it. well yeah. It, i could see it if you live in that city you you're very much affected by what happens and the uh, the perception and the uh, maybe the identity of the city and um, things like that. But as far as like if you're just a fan of that team, no, I don't. I really don't think it matters. Like, would would it matter to me if they're using the Pepsi Center or not? No, because I'm not going there either way. But if <laughs> Denver had been the host, I I think that would have been interesting just as a Colorado native resident. To host something that large would be interesting. I'm just saying, like, on a local scale, it's interesting, but not really on a hockey scale. Well, if Denver had been the host, Phase 4 would have been on a little bit more shaky ground than having it in Canada, because every state around Colorado is very sick right now. I don't know if you've heard this, but there's a pandemic. <laughs> and we're kind of going into a scenario where the NHL has honestly... By my eye, because they've picked Edmonton, Toronto, they're in maybe the best position of all their sports leagues that are starting back up to actually pull this off once they get their players into the hubs. Because, like, you're not playing in Florida, like the NBA are. You're not still planning on traveling for some reason, like baseball is. Like, the NHL has given themselves a, a pretty good chance of pulling this off, and the only thing I think that they could have done differently is 
is, and yeah, it'd be a logistical nightmare to have 24 camps in two cities, but go is to have everybody in the hubs now. Just yeah. get this quarantine period out of the way, because teams are going to be flying in, like, a couple of days before the exhibition games. That's, uh, that doesn't give you a lot of wiggle room. Yeah, that's kind of dicey. Um, but I do think, I mean, when you look at what Major League Baseball and the NFL are trying to pull off, and it, that those those two leagues are just, they're dreaming. Um, I think the NBA had a poor choice of places to do it, but obviously ESPN carries a lot of weight, so you're going to have it in Orlando. Um, you know, if they do manage to keep their bubble intact, maybe that works out, but, uh, you know, they're they're doing it in a better way than the NFL and, and Major League Baseball are trying to do. Well, I feel like once the bubble's established, it it will work, and it seems like that is how it's happening with Major League Soccer and with the NBA. It was it's always the toughest part getting to that point where everyone is secure. And I think what hockey's actually done is I think they've had less issues thus far leading up to the bubble. Now, knock on wood, we still have a week plus to get there. But I think in general, maybe it's hockey culture. Maybe it's maybe the NHL's done something right. But I think they have already sort of mitigated some of the problems that this whole process brings up and I think they're positioned well and and I agree once you get into the hub and and everyone's secure at that point it'll work but as as far as just to quickly touch on baseball and football it's it does seem like they're kind of running around with no idea what's going on but at some point sport will have to figure out what do you do because this bubble thing is is not feasible beyond what these teams are trying to pull off this summer. You're going to have to think of how do you operate a sports league without those kind of restrictions. And so addressing it now or later, the NHL is going to have to do it at some point. Yeah. And I also think, all right, we've seen some problems with the Penguins and the Habs and St. Louis and a couple of the Bruins. Um, maybe getting that out of the way early. Uh, sort of maybe maybe that put the fear of God into the rest of the, the players and, and everyone's just sort of like, look, if you're serious about this, you're not going to be going out and smooching COVID hotties at the bar and everything like that. So um, hope, hopefully what, it, what happened with those teams... Um, is going to make it a, a little easier for everyone to make it to what it, I guess next Saturday they're traveling. Sunday, I guess, but Sunday, basically, yeah. yeah. If they can make it to there, you know, without catching cooties, then that might that might work for everyone. I really don't know if just that kind of like public shaming is going to be enough. Like there is definitely like a strong cohesion like to the detriment of the individual in hockey culture that to where it, it would be more likely to work than in like basically any other sports league um but if you actually want to enforce that people do not go out of outside their fucking bubble to pick up doordash like somebody in the nba did and now they're isolating <laughs> for 14 days or something you, you just have to like suspend them supremely if they break the rule 
Like, yeah, you are done for two weeks, period. And now you get to be the one who FaceTimes your whole team. You don't get to tell them face-to-face that, hey, I let you all down. Yeah, and I, you know, I've said this before, but coming from the perspective of the Avs players, it's a little easier to see that because, you know, they're, they've got more on the line than most teams because they are a favorite. Um, you know, if you're, if you're a team that's, that's not got a lot on the line, then, you know, perhaps you're not thinking as much about, you know, staying six feet away and, and keeping your mask on and all that stuff. But, you know, I, I do think with the Avs players, it, it, it would make sense if they were a little extra careful compared to other teams. I think the Avs players enjoy spending time together, which could be a good thing or not a good thing. But um, if they're secure, if their little bubble around themselves is secure, then they'll be fine. Well, we'll get into like actually previewing the games in the next episode, like I kind of teased at the very top. But I, I do have kind of this theory that younger teams are going to have a really inherent advantage in this event. And part of that is going to be they're less likely to have family obligations, kids that are that they don't see for six weeks, that kind of stuff. Um, I, I really do think that, that teams that are younger are going to hold up better as, as this thing drags on. Yeah, younger teams are usually pretty good, too. Yeah. <laughs> they either really are or they really aren't one of the yeah other. so um, i'm yeah. trying to remember when our last show was was i it? think it was early i think it was early june and it was after they announced the return to play at least the matchups so it was definitely before we had the draft lottery right yes yes but that's been a while ago, so obviously I don't want to spend a tremendous amount of time on that. You can just, you know, insert your own favorite forced Nicolas Cage laughter clip right here, and that's my reaction to it. They've they've set up like the most ridiculous possibility possible, and everyone acted surprised when it happened. Yeah, well, I I think I even said on the last show that one team, it hadn't been for first overall, but one team had jumped up for second or third overall like five years in a row. So it wasn't, you should have expected at least one team to, to win it. Now, now that it was Team E, the team that had 2.5% chance, I think, what were they, like 12th or something, won it. That's pretty unusual but hey it's uh that's what happens when you have a lottery things happen so isn't that pretty much what happened to the flyers a couple years ago yeah they they jumped up really high when they won when dallas won to get heiskanen that was a big jump when carolina won to get svechnikov was a big jump when chicago won to get doc was a big jump so kind of should have expected it But it's pretty funny that it's for first overall. It's in this circumstance where a team gets a chance to make the playoffs, then goes back into a second lottery, and then it's for Lafreniere, who I feel is at least the best first since Austin Matthews. So he's going to be a big prize. So if you stink, 
and you don't really have any business in these games, but you still know that nobody's played any hockey in four months, close to five by the time we actually get there. I mean, it it's impossible to predict what's going to happen. Jin going to stop anybody from trying. <laughs> but, like, at, at the same time, it, you've got, I mean, if we lose these games, it's not that big of a deal because now we've got a one in eight chance uh, at getting first overall. Versus yeah, I think every anything every happen. team's. <laughs> I think every team's going to try to win it, except for maybe Montreal because I think they have even extra incentive for Lafreniere. But we always know players don't tank, and I don't really think you're going to have a coach or anyone that that <clears throat> deliberately tries to lose this play in. But it sure is a nice consolation prize, that's for sure. Yeah. And I. If anyone hasn't been to Burgundy Review in a minute, I did have do have an article on there where I rank my personal 1 through 16 of the teams that still have a chance for Lafreniere. So you could check that out if you still need something to read before hockey gets back. But I will say my number one team, you might be surprised, is Montreal. Wow, mine too. But if, I mean, <laughs> here's, here's the thing. If Montreal get absolutely spanked by a Pittsburgh Penguins team that it, during the last season was much, much better than them. If Montreal goes out and gets absolutely spanked and then comes into the second draft lottery, LOL, and wins it. I mean, oh, it'll never end. It, I know that the rigging and the... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Will never end, for sure. It'll be exactly the same, you know wait to that moment in hockey culture as the time Gary Bettman gave Sidney Crosby to the Penguins. <laughs> It'll be exactly the same. And my my number 16 team? Edmonton. Okay. I just, let's just not, no. Just, it's it's even beyond that it would be funny. Just, just no. It's not funny anymore. Yeah, exactly. And, and I like Lafreniere a lot, so I do actually want the kid to have a good situation that is not a good situation so just hockey gods don't do it do not do it <laughs> so I just, I just feel like we would be remiss if we didn't talk about that for a minute but it has been like a while ago now so yeah and this uh, the phase two of the the lottery which will be the draw for first overall will be on august 10th after the uh the the play-in rounds, of course, and each team that's in the Phase 2 lottery has equal odds. So it's like 12.5%, so that I think when we get to that point, it's going to be popcorn watching, must-see TV for a night. Because, I mean, we're... And then we'll... As we keep saying, we, we don't know what's going to happen, and there's an extremely good chance of an extremely big upset in the zeroth round, and then you see a team that would otherwise have been like a fifth or sixth seed in the playoffs with the first overall hello yeah yeah there's there's pretty much a built-in storyline for any team that wins this first overall because they weren't really thought of as as a team that was going to get this pick and get the player so it it'll be interesting if it changes the fortunes of say like a florida or a minnesota or <laughs> if he ends up somewhere where like Pittsburgh or Toronto, God forbid, Toronto too, or Edmonton, where you already have all these good pieces in place. So it, no matter what, it will be 
pretty interesting. The other thing that happened off ice since the last time we spoke, um, other than phase two workout starting, which was the small groups kind of meeting up and doing things and trying real hard not to touch each other, um, was that the the league and the players got together and they extended the CBA for a significant period of time. Like we're actually looking at proactive effort to prevent a labor stoppage. That doesn't. Yeah, happen. I think that's one of the really. In a, it was almost underplayed in a way, and I think it people will come to the realization when we get into the off season and things like that, where this was actually done that these these parties were able to get together and not only figure out what happens this summer and next fall and winter but for the next couple years and i think that's huge for a, a league that had all these labor problems and it didn't just happen this summer when they realized it was in everyone's best interest to figure out as much of this as possible they, they had because when the the both parties agreed to not because opt out. It would have ended this September if they had agreed. If they had not agreed on both not using the opt out clause and it bought them two more years. So they were already sailing on this path. And so it was nice that they were able to finish it and um, figured out a lot of things in the process. Yeah, I wasn't as worried about this one as I, I have been in the past. Um, it, it just seemed like this CBA, the, it, in the salary cap era, they finally got it right, um, as right as it can be for this situation. Um, I know the players definitely weren't happy about escrow and there were some other things, but it, it just I didn't see a, a big labor stoppage coming. So I, I think part of... Part of what made it easy to get this done, you know, aside from the, the financial difficulties looming, um, was the fact that what was in place was was a pretty good template going forward. Well, and in a way, now they need that escrow or else the salary cap could have been around 60, $65 million. So yeah. that is something the players absolutely did not want to see. And I really don't think anyone wants to see that drastic of a change. So in order for them to come to the compromise where they're going to keep everything where it was and then work their way back up towards it, I think benefits everybody. If they had dropped the cap ceiling that low, then how many compliance buyouts would each team have needed? Like, like half, 50. Half, half a dozen? <laughs> a dozen? Like you, at that point, you pretty much have to say, okay, we all agree there aren't any more contracts. Start over. Yeah. Like, no, and, and I, I don't think any back. fan, yeah, any fan would have been horrified. It, it would have been, you know, just as bad as losing Forsberg and Foot back in the day, because we'd lose Miko probably. Um, you know, it, you could really, you'd probably lose Gabe next time around. Um, you know, there's, it would have, it would have really shut the window close. Um, for the for the abs and i just you know I, I think they would be a team that would definitely want to bend over backwards to make sure the cap didn't go down that much i don't benefit anyone i mean the abs with one of the best cap situations if it hurts them it's 
certainly right. hurt everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there, there's teams that are in cap hell right now, like Toronto, Vancouver. So yeah, like there, there's teams that are already bumping up against it, and they've got great young players hitting bonuses. They're going to bump them over it, and they're going to end up having penalties later on, and blah 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 blah, and eyes glazing over. Um, but I, but is the the cap is flat for the next couple of seasons? Is that right? I think it is for the next two seasons, and then. They'll basically see what the revenues are at that time, and if it's better than... I, I think no matter what, it won't go lower. So if there's, like, no fans next season or something, it's not going to change this. So it will stay at 81.5. But I think after two years, if things have improved and they've added revenue with Seattle and the TV and hopefully fans at some point, then they can, I think after the two years, start to increase it million by million for the next couple years after that yeah i mean i you know it's in all of our interest for that to happen you know not yeah just absolutely for, i mean we it's fans well, I mean, just as we, people i mean that means that it's possible to go to uh, arenas and watch hockey so i mean other things <laughs> have gone well of course, <laughs> of course that too. but it still seems like money is is still a four-letter word it's like a dirty word when it comes to sports leagues and what owners need, what the league needs and everything. And it's like fans need a healthy league to be able to enjoy it. So everyone making money is a good thing. It will continue the sport that we enjoy. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's been, you know, it's been really tough dealing with, the fact that we haven't had a, a postseason yet, and that we missed the last eighth of the season, um, <clears throat> you know, it's something that brightens up our dreary little lives. So we want it to be healthy. And and lately, a lot of us need a lot more brightening than usual, too. Um, the only <laughs> other thing that was important, I think, coming out of the CBA, and this is something that I missed that y'all can inform me about, is that they have agreed to go back to the Olympics. Yeah, I think that was a big one because it was very important to the players and it was nice that that was put in there for them since they are giving a little bit on financials in a way. They also got some perks back, but um, it'll be exciting. I think it's important for hockey to be at the Olympics. I think it is important for the players to get that experience and get on that world stage and then also if the NHL's allowed to advertise and things like that during it so it was nice so it's for the next two winter olympics that was included in the agreement and those are where one of, one of them's in china and the other's where i think it's italy so no friendly so, time zones to north america still europe isn't hard to deal with but china that's in the middle of the night that's that's tough yeah, yeah, China's like literally twelve hours off from me. So, oops. Yeah, you know, I I I love watching sports early in the morning. You know, I watch a lot of tennis and and cycling in the early morning, but um, not that early. <laughs> not not one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> um, yeah, that'll 
That'll be tough, but I, I you know, I, I think if you work, it, you know, obviously NBC wants people to see the games that probably aren't going to be able to watch them live. So that you know, they need to beef up their game a little on their on-demand stuff, which we've been begging for years. <laughs> well, they're finally um, getting the infrastructure in place with this whole streaming platform that they've started opening up. So maybe that'll kind of put some groundwork in place where it'll be easier to. Just pull up some of these events, you know, on demand instead of having to catch the rebroadcast or whatever. Yeah, that would be really nice. Um, some of the other things I liked in the CBA is one that people always say that the players are playing for free and everything. They're really not. They increase the playoff pool money for this season. Even the teams that lose the play-in will get playoff pool money. So I think they. That's really good. And the reason that that's really good is you can think of that as basically hazard pay. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, come on. The players always need a financial incentive. Anyone needs a financial incentive to really do anything. So I think they doubled it. And then going forward, it's also increased. So that was something that the players got. They got some other sort of insurance, second medical second opinions, other things like that in there. Um a couple other things was that your uh, no trade clause, if if you wait, what was it? If you waive it or if it hadn't kicked in yet, it still lives with your contract once you get traded. Um, yeah, there's... It's, it's basically automatically in force. Now, is that a change or is that a clarification? I think that's, no, a, that's change. a change. And. Um, there were some things that weren't fixed, I think, if they had the benefit of time. Uh, a lot of GMs did not like the arbitration system. I think also the RFA ELC system needed some tweaks. And so those things didn't get changed. <laughs> we're Surprisingly, not going to go there. Y'all know where I stand on RFA. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think it'll come up later, too, but we'll save that. And... Um, uh, a lot of people were surprised that the bonus uh, thing in the contracts wasn't changed, where a player can get $1 million salary and $10 million in a signing bonus paid up front. They actually didn't change that, but what they did change was uh, the front-loading of contracts. It's interesting that it seems the owners were more bothered by the front-loading rather than the bonus pay. So, for example, like Miko is getting paid $12 million this year in actual money. And his lowest year is $6 million at the end of the contract. So it used to be 50%, now it's 35% that you can only have the, the range between there. So, And one other one is that the uh, qualifying offers are no longer the last year of your salary. So the famous one was the Timo Meyer who had the $10 million qualifying offer. You can't do that anymore. I think the ones that exist are still honored, but you can't do that anymore. It's now just going to be the AAV of the contract. So you can't put in that sweet last big qualifying offer. So little things like that change, but people will notice a little bit more when we get to the off season and contracts and stuff. But for the most part, it, it was mostly a document to keep everything going as, as is going. So on the one hand, not being able to have that last year spike to bump up a qualifying offer is a good because that's bullshit. And yeah. on the other hand, it's bad because it makes it less likely for a qual for a you know like a uh, what's it called offer sheet to not be matched. So that makes the league less chaotic and less fun. You hate to see it. 
But I do ultimately approve of getting rid of the bullshit. Yeah, I think they tried to do a little things like the, there's some little changes in the 35 plus contracts and and the the cap recapture if someone retires like the whole famous if Shea Weber retires Nashville's hit with 24 million dollar cap hit or something like that. Those things were changed. I think they're trying to make it easier for players to actually retire. I think they made a little baby steps towards that even though they didn't change anything to the LTIR system. But it, at least they tried. At least they're inching that way. It, it feels like the league has put up a lot of arbitrary roadblocks just to prevent them from doing things and then applying it retroactively. So anything that kind of is just, you know, getting in its own way and forcing them to do things like LTIR retire people and things like that. If, if you can eliminate that, I just think that makes for a healthier system overall. So Definitely. These are good changes in general, and I'm glad to hear most of them. Um, we're going to get to what's up with the Avs very shortly. We'll talk about training camp roster and what to watch for in the next couple of weeks. But first, I think it's important that we all kind of, you know, it, it we've been away from hockey for a minute now. It's, it's very easy to forget some of the things that sort of happened towards the end of last season. So what I've done is I've pulled up this list of trades from from TSN and we're going to we're going to run down some a quick list of players who are not where you may remember them being um because some of these I definitely did not remember and as we kind of went over a few of them before the show these two didn't either. So um <laughs> the uh the world-famous 1890s lawyer from San Jose, Barclay Goodrow, is going to be with the Tampa Bay Lightning for these next, for these you know next few games. That's interesting to me. Probably to nobody else. Uh, Brady... No, I could I could not figure out where he came from when I kept seeing him mentioned with the Lightning. So that yes. that was me too. Yeah, San Jose. In one of those picks where you you look at it, or one of those trades, you just look at it, you're like, oh, a first? Okay. Um, oh, that was that trade, right. See, yeah. we do need this reminder. Yeah. Um, more interesting in in the kind of the context of what games are coming is Carolina picked up Brady Shea from the New York Rangers for a 2021st. Yeah, and the, the other one, Vatanen trade. It'll be interesting to see if he ever plays for them. Yeah, Sammy Vatanen was also traded to the Hurricanes. Um, Robin Leonard is a Vegas Golden Knight. That one's super interesting because Chicago might need a goalie. Really player. needs a goalie. <laughs> well, well, they got Malcolm Subban back, so they'll be fine. <laughs> Booyah. Yeah, they, you might regret that one. Well, they, not, I don't think so. I, I, no, I don't think so. Um, Let's see. As we keep scrolling down here, Connor Sheary is a penguin. Derek Forbort, the Goofily named L.A. King is in Calgary now. Andreas Athanasiu is with Edmonton and a big deal back and forth from Detroit. Sam Gagne is not an Oiler anymore. Let's see. Let's keep going. Um, you one may is remember. Mike... Hmm? I was going to say one is uh, Mike Green who opted out. We didn't really get into that, but there were a few opt-outs. There were only a couple. Yeah, Mike Green was one but of them. Was, I, one of them. Uh, was Trocek one of them? No, he didn't opt out. Who am no. I thinking of? There's a name. Uh, Hamannick. Hamannick. Uh, or Trotman. I, 
I'm not sure Troutman opted out. It sounded more like he's more unavailable. And the last I heard, we had no word for sure on what was going to happen with Max Domi, who has diabetes and is therefore at extreme risk to COVID-19. Um, you may remember that Callie Rosen is no longer an Av. He's back with the Maple Leafs, and Colorado have Michael Hutchinson instead. The one that's tripping up a lot of people, Patrick Marlowe is a Pittsburgh Penguin. I definitely did not remember that. Same with me. <laughs> The Senators sent uh, J.G. Pajot to the New York Islanders. I forgot this one more than I forgot Marlowe. Um, Ilya Kovalchuk is in Washington with the Capitals. And don't I did for- remember that, but... <clears throat> don't forget that Cody Egan is with the Winnipeg Jets. I think we're running out of interesting ones here. A Tyler Toffoli is a Canuck. Here we go. Here's one from earlier in February. Uh, Minnesota picked up Alex Galchenyuk, and the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins picked up Jason Zucker. Good old hockey trade. Yeah, there was more to it than that, but those are the names that really matter. And then, of course, your Colorado Avalanche added Vladislav Nemestikov. And so now I'm going to ask Earl how that complicates some of the training camp battles that we have already seen version one of last September. Yeah, so when Nemestikov was traded for, the Avs were in sort of their second wave of big injuries. And consequently, we've never seen, first of all, Nemestikov in this role that he's sort of in now, which is left wing on the third line. Um, but we also haven't been able to see his effect on the rest of the lineup, um, which at this point is basically taking Tyson Jost's and perhaps putting him in the 13th forward spot. So, um, you know, it, it's sort of a problem you'd like to have, but you, I, I think you, you really would like to have Jost playing. So, you know, how, how this ends up working out, I, I don't think it's a big deal for the round robin, but by game one of of round one um you know i i I think we'd all rather see someone like jost in the lineup if possible and it's it's you know it's not all that unlikely if you're the 13th guy right because as it is true that every team's been able to achieve health because of the four months off and resting all those injuries that everyone acquires through the year. But we also know every year that can't, there are camp casualties. And with a compressed schedule, I think people should mentally prepare themselves for there's going to be injuries. Ooh, foreshadowing. <laughs> and like you said, if you're the 13th forward, I, you're probably going to play a fair amount of games anyway. I guess the way yeah. I look at Nemestikov in particular, though, is he's the Colin Wilson replacement. Is really what he is. Because I don't think he quite... Except he's actually good at defense. <laughs> he actually can still play hockey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Colin Wilson is not invited to the Phase 3 camp for reasons. I th- yeah, I think that was for the best. It Nobody quite spelled it out, but to me it seemed like I don't think Bednar was going to give him an automatic roster or a spot in the lineup 
probably be on the roster, but not in the lineup. And so at that point, you could see from a veteran standpoint, someone probably is still rehabbing. Risk versus reward. Basically. Yeah, they weren't they weren't going to take Wilson and on the roster and and let him play himself into shape or whatever. I didn't, or I mean, I I don't know how you could because I don't think he would have been in the top twelve starting. So for a guy like Wilson, you know, what are you doing? I mean, maybe by the time you need him, is he is he ready? No, he's not going to be ready. So, which in a way if, is if a you were gonna... shocking, honestly though, because well, I mean. It, if you wanted to use Willie, you wanted to give him like three or four games at least in the regular season or something leading up into, you know, whatever we're going into the round zero, um, you know, to, to get his swerve back on. Cause he, I mean, he hasn't played since October. So it's that's just, a- I, that's a long time to go and then say like, all right, dude, you know, go out and do your thing. Oh, for sure. Like I wouldn't on him either. But there was talk about if the Avs made a long run in the spring, he would have been available. And here we are in late July, and he's not available. So that's, yeah. in a way, that's a little shocking, because that's going to be tough for him to get a job next year. So yeah, it's like real tough, like impossible I mean, I do, even. <laughs> yeah. I do feel bad for him on a human standpoint, yeah. but it's just, it's insane how they've just held on hope for just so long just held on to this idea that wilson still exists he's still coming and it's just like no he's not so i mean but you can also make the case that they were facing the same problem last summer and they just re-signed him so he could you know basically get free rehab for a year i know they never they never should have like i understand the hindsight but no they they never should have back then but you know we we went there in plenty back then but Getting back to the Nemestikov point, I don't think he's necessarily taking the role of Jost or what they hope Jost would be. I don't think they re- they really intersect other than just one body pushes one more body off. Right. So, I, I think mean, honestly, Nemestikov- I, I think the competition is, if you want to call it that, it's it's... I mean, people are making out as sort of Jost versus Nieto, and and maybe that's what it comes down to. But I, I think if Jost had a spot in the lineup, it would basically be him pushing Comfer out, which isn't going to happen. Yeah, and I think this is the problem that I we, we have talked so much about with Jost is he doesn't have a definition, he doesn't have a role, he does. That's why we can't say like who does he need to outplay because there just really isn't a particular spot for him and how they used him a little bit in the PK and some of the, the special teams part of this camp. And he says he enjoys it so much. I think that has been a real letdown that they just never developed that role for him that he could PK. There's something he could do as the reason to keep him in the lineup because I really think that's what Nieto's kind of hanging his hat on. I don't think Nieto is as good as he was three years ago, but maybe he works in the context of that line, even though I think at times we don't like the vet line. I think they've talked it up so much in camp. Everyone thinks it's fantastic again. Kind of forgotten how it does get pretty limiting when you have a vet line. But so maybe Jost can, can break that up at some point, but it, 
it does feel kind of like he's out of options, and that that's unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, the fourth line was great in the early season when, like, goalies are terrible and defense isn't really played that much. When, when you know, Calvert really feasted off that, and, and Belmare to an extent as well. Um, you know, if you're thinking that those guys are going to score like they did in the fall during the playoffs, that's, that's not going to happen. Um, and that's tough. And another thing about Jost, all right, uh, Calvert and Gruby got hurt in the, the tragic game down at the Air Force Academy. And the Avs had, I think, 13 games after that. They only gave up two power, two PK goals out of 35 chances after that. And they were both in the same game against San Jose, as luck would have it. But, um, you know, Jost was a, a part of the PK sort of renaissance. And, you know, I just, I, I can't help but feel that, that they're looking at, like, well, we'd rather have vets there even... You know, even if it doesn't look on paper, if they're doing as, as well as Joe's did at, at the end of the year, um, so that that's just a little tough because it it does look like he can play that role well. And it kind of sucks at this point. Joe's has played over two hundred games, and he you're still pulling the vet card. Like he is a NHL veteran by the definition of veteran at this point. Yeah. Doesn't mean, you know, 30 plus, but he's someone that's been around. So it's, it is, that's kind of what makes it frustrating too, is there's no good reason to keep him out of these roles because of his age. Yeah. And I, you know, I guess the only thing you can really hope for is that, you know, fairly early on he gets a shot and, and really shines in, you know, what, what will probably be a fourth line role with some PK. When he comes into the lineup. And I think Nemestikov will be one of the first ones to go up into the top six. It yeah, seems like too. with the abs, he's found a scoring touch again. I, I think that'll be pretty hard to deny. Yeah. But it, it, I mean, it, it really depends. Like if they need a center, obviously it's going to be Comfer. Um, but I, I do think they probably like his skill a little bit better than Donnie. Um, yeah, it, it, it's going to be interesting to yeah, it's going to be interesting to see those guys on a line together, just sort of see how they play off each other and like, you know, how much better is one guy over the other? I don't really know. I guess we should mention that the the new wrinkle they've had in the top six is they put Burkowski with McKinnon and Rantanen, and then Landy with Kadri and Nikushkin. Yeah, let's let's back out and take a wide angle look at the training camp roster before we do any more like specific situations. Um, because there, there's been a couple of little interesting hiccups here and there along the way. Um, so first off, remind everyone how many people were allowed to actually take to Edmonton. It's thirty-one players. So the camp roster can be thirty skaters and unlimited goalies. But when they get down to what they can take to Edmonton, I believe it is 31 players, period, and a 52-person travel party, period. So some teams are even thinking about taking less players than they're, than they're allotted. But so basically the Avs Follow-up have... Follow-up question. Follow-up question. Why? Why? Sorry, Add another... 
to add a yeah, staff trainer or extra. I'm, I mean, I guess, but your third nutritionist can't fill in on the fourth line <laughs> if you have another injury. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but your because... 18th forward isn't going to help you either, so. But they I can actually I mean, skate. You might... <laughs> yeah, you might get to that. If you're if you're in the cup finals, you might get to that point. So I agree. I would say I want the players. Because from what I, do, I understand. I do too. I'm just saying, like, there's there's teams that. that... <laughs> yeah. I can see like a, a a team saying like you know if we had an extra massage therapist or an extra nutritionist or whatever, um you know or it, a lot of teams have a lot bigger coaching staffs than the Avs. I I know we get used to the the way the Avs do things, but you know most teams have a lot more coaches than the Avs do. Um, like for example, I think the Avs are going to try to work in Sean Allard. I think they're going to need to take him. Yeah, and he's not technically a coach or a trainer or. Uh, athletic therapist, etc. But he's someone right. there. I'm. Sh I'd be surprised if they didn't find room for him. So some of these teams are grappling with these decisions. But from what I understand, is there are no reinforcements. There are no. If you really get injured in the playoffs and you're like, hey, we're down two goalies, and we only brought three, I d I don't think there is a solution. <laughs> Tough shit. That's a solution. Tough shit. <laughs> Pretty much. So so yeah. I would want to bring the allotment of players because I truly do think the Avs will need everybody at some point. I really do. I hope not. Well, sure. I hope <laughs> not too, but for, for many, every, many reasons. Every yeah. single time we sat on this podcast and we said they called up so-and-so, but he probably won't play, that guy played. So just, I think you have to be prepared for every single person you bring. You have to... You have to be able to live with if if you're gonna play them. So, who's some interesting names maybe on the fringe of of this camp to uh, maybe maybe go or not? But maybe you're not expecting them to play. But it's interesting that they're here. I for sure on the D side, you'd say the extras. For some reason, okay, let's just say that Connaughton was on the roster during the NHL roster freeze, which I think happened on March 16th, meaning they didn't send him back to the Eagles. There's a lot that I won't get into, but for some reason, the NHL has made that like a very clear line in the sand as far as like who was considered an NHL player and who wasn't at the time. So anyway, just saying Kanan was on the roster, so I don't even think he's like a black ace or a bubble player. I think he's almost like entitled to be part of this roster. So I think they want him there. Well, I think they do, too, but I'm just saying, I I'm not even sure there's a choice. Yeah. So, like, he's on the boat, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. If people weren't aware of that, there's no, like... He's on the boat. <laughs> he's not coming. He's already on the boat, so... Who's on so the boat? Then you've got, so then you've got the extra, like, Barb, come on, okay, they're on. Then the, the extra defensemen are <laughs> Lindholm, which be unfortunate um mcdonald who's an interesting i love the boat so much i'm sorry <laughs> crying over here. you can picture it right yeah um mcdonald who has not played for the abs at all i think he has one hl games to his name two but it's a two yeah but he did play forward for half the year, so it's interesting that he could really be sort of this switch 
fill in. I'm not convinced, though, that Bednar actually wants to play him. So we'll, we'll see if he makes it or not. And then the two young defensemen, obviously, are Timmins and Byram. And I think both have a chance to go. I th- think Timmins more so than Byram. Um, but Bednar did say that they're... He's not just, Byram is not just here just for the camp, that there is an option that he can go to Edmonton. And I hope he does because I I think it would be important for his development. I think it's better than just going home. And I think, especially if they bring a guy like Sean Allard who can continue to work with him, I think would be beneficial for him. Plus, I think if you're up shit creek and you've lost that many defensemen, you want to put the talent on the ice. So... We'll see. I th- Nobody's asked Bednar how many he's going to take of each position. So we don't know if they're looking at 9, 10, 11 defensemen. So we'll see. So if the I think it's either 10 it, or 11. If the boat finds <laughs> itself on Shit Creek, we, we think we want Bo and Byram on it. Yeah. Yes. Um, just looking at, at what little we get from the avs and, and and listening to our our good friends at dnvr and whatnot it, it really sounds like timmins is is shining pretty well so far well we're on year uh, 4 of timmins camp hype timmins needs an opportunity he needs more than hype but i think he, i think he will definitely go though i would be yeah. very surprised if he doesn't go i I'd, I'd be incredibly surprised and i'd <clears throat> I, I I think they're only going to bring 10. They might bring 11 defensemen, uh, which I could see taking McDonald because he can play either D or forward. So can Barbs for that matter. But McDonald is actually good at forward. Um, I, I, you know, I think that sort of makes it between Byram and Lindholm for an 11th spot. If, if one goes, well, that's a no brainer. Yeah, they're gonna bring Lindholm. <laughs> no, I I'm not. I'm not convinced Bender likes Lindholm. That's the thing. I Lindholm hasn't really had, I would say, special opportunities in this camp, from what I can tell. So yeah. No, it's 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 tough because you've got Lindholm, who you know a lot of the young players say they do respect and look up to a lot in in, in Loveland and whatnot. Um, and he does have, I don't know, 45, 50 games NHL experience. Um, it's just, you know, we've we've watched him for so long. He has no puck skills. I mean, it's watching him try to break the puck out is just painful. So I don't, I don't know that you would really want to bring him. I, I think they should probably just go with 10 defensemen and not bring Byram. I mean, I'd, you know, I'd like to see Byram there, but I just... It it doesn't sound like he's he's really shown enough to to make the cut. Yeah, it really doesn't. Like, as everyone that I've seen who's watched him in camp has said something along that, those same lines of it's just it isn't quite there yet. Yeah, that's and why I think you you want to keep working with him. You don't want to send him back because if he's not making it now, he's not making it in the winter. He probably won't, and I. It just seems like they're hinting that that. Another year of amateur is probably the way to go with him, and I, I think with the screwed up schedule, there's some, um, there, there's a good case if the WHL starts up in October or, or you know around that time that you let him play for the Giants and then go to World Juniors perhaps, um, and then sort of see where he is. Um, I but disagree. it's just I, I, I'm not. Sh- <laughs> I I disagree that not making it now means he doesn't make it in the winter. Just. 
the premise. Right. I disagree with it entirely. Because yeah, it just can... it, it looks like he needs more time, Cause... and it, we, obviously they love Makar going back for his ju- for his sophomore year at UMass. I don't so know. Like... They offered for him to leave. I mean, yeah, it worked out, obviously, but yeah. But... No, I think in retrospect, they're they're glad he said no. Um, yeah, I, I just look at it in terms because McNabb can't yet. shut up about it, you know, and it's like I know he does talk to Avs guys all the time. So I mean, we're in almost August here, like. There's going to be a big difference in November. I I don't think so, especially when the Avs are going to have to cater. Like you're going to have to make room for him if you want him to be on the team. You have to make room for him in the off season. Like it's just he's not just going to show up and they're going to be like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen. I mean, he's a guy that you have to have a plan for from start. I think to the plan's going to be to send him to the WHL well, and then the World Juniors. It's, <laughs> it's, it's not about the difference between the player in between August and November. It's a difference in the player between August and May for me. Because you, you can kind of slow play him in the NHL a little bit if you start him at the beginning of a season. And I mean, if you lose, you know, three or four games in this, in this format, you're, you're fucked. Like it's yeah. over. You, you've got more. I mean, he's never going to play anyway. Else. Like probably not, but if he did, is what I'm saying. Yeah, like you you've got a lot more wiggle room to work with on game one of eighty two than you do on game one of potentially seven. Well, I think if you don't want him in Edmonton at all, then you're not valuing working with him. You know what I mean? Like it's it's not a close thing. He could be up in Loveland skating with AJ Greer. I just AJ know. Greer is not in Loveland. I don't know how much. <laughs> I don't know how much time and labor hours they're going to have to do that kind of one-on-one individual work that you're talking about in the bubble. Like, there's not that much ice. I think they will because the extras will need to skate. And then the injured guys or the quarantine guys or whatever will need to skate, too. I, I think there will be a group that gets consistent work somewhat. Where? Like there's, I mean, they have practice facilities. They're they're gonna yeah, have... they they have oodles of rinks around. Yeah, there, uh, there's place. eight to twelve <laughs> NHL teams looking for ice that's up to their standards. Well, that was part of the massive hub city decision. I just don't see there being like a whole lot of you know time and space and prioritization of of that kind of thing when you're trying to win a Stanley Cup right this instant. I, I, I agree with that. Teams, I, I just don't think. Actually, a lot of teams are bringing young guys. Like Washington's going to bring McMichael, who is to like 28th or 25th overall. A lot of the teams that were allowed to sign, like Kaprizov, and um, the Rangers signed Keandre Miller, and the league decided that those who hadn't already been signed when pause happened cannot play in the restart. But they are allowed to go to the hub cities and remain with the team. And teams have already announced that some of these players will be going with them to the hub city and will be staying with them just for practice. That's weird to me. That's a strange allocation of resources after the conversation that we just had about you may which, need all 31 players. Yeah, which is crazy to bring someone that absolutely will not play. Speaking of absolutely will not play, do you think Hutchinson <laughs> will go, or will it be Werner? I don't think they have this. I Hutchinson was a rental. I just, I, I don't think they'll admit it. They won't admit defeat there. But I don't it, think they love. Werner. I mean, for what everyone's saying, Werner has been outplaying him pretty handily. 
throughout the week. And, you know, he was re- he was real shaky in that game against Detroit for at least the beginning part of it. Here's the question. They might not even bring four. They might bring three goalies, which I That's think... That's what I'm that saying. I think they'll bring three, and I don't... You know, it, it might not be Hutchinson. I, 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 I would be shocked. I, I would be I, shocked. I would, too. Outright cut Hutchinson. Now, I think it's possible they bring four, and they might get talked into using Warner, but I don't... I don't think so. So, so I, I would. Do, love do you to think know. they're planning on taking four? Because this, I mean, this does affect you know Byram and Bowers and yeah. you know a few other guys. I mean, do you, do you think they're going to bring four goalies? We haven't even talked about Bowers yet. Yeah, we haven't talked forwards yet. Um, I'm going to say if they feel shaky about Hutchinson, they might take four. I don't think they would ever outright cut him. I'm not even sure they can because. He is like someone that I, I said before with Kanan. He was on the roster during the, the pause, so I'm not even sure they could cut him. Um, but, I mean, do you think they went into this camp saying, I, I think we're going to have to bring four goalies no matter what, and we're just going to have to plan the rest of the roster around that? I don't know. That's tough. I would love that yeah. to be a question for Bednar because yeah. this is a question other markets ask. And... Um, and they our, have revealed their... Yeah, ours don't ask that question because they get non-answers. <laughs> Not Bender can be honest at times. So we'll see, he, but... He's usually um, honest about whether he's talked to the trainers or not. I think he would give the old that's a Joe question, not a me question, but... Um... Because uh... yeah, it really is. That's, that's, a, that's a general manager level decision. Not really. oh. It doesn't have to do with money, though. It has to do with who he wants well, it's, it's strategic. It's absolutely a joint decision. Yeah, yeah for sure. For sure. But that's I'm how we would say defer four. it. Even yeah. though I probably would like to see the, the resources allocated to a, a different... Yeah. They'll probably bring four. Because that's, yeah, they, that... they just don't have that slam dunk number three. So they're just going to have to bring both. Hope for the best. They don't. And four goalies is an easy, safe decision. And yeah. this is an organization that likes to keep the like the maximum on ice roster size as their entire roster size. Yeah, and carry zero healthies. So I don't know what to expect. Yeah, now that when I was looking at the roster and just sort of seeing like, all right, you got to cut three guys. Who are they going to be? You know, it's like bringing four goalies really makes the decisions a lot tougher. Let's look at it what does. some of those decisions include up front, because obviously they're they're not going to be you know, cutting Tyson Jost. No. no, but so who else is up front that is on that uh, on that fifth or sixth line or whichever it would be? I'd say Bowers is probably the easiest one to cut since he has no NHL experience. And I hate, he... you know, I love Bowers, and I would love to see him travel with the team and and maybe even get into a game if if things really got sideways, but. Um, you know, you have Tynan that, that got demoted the other day, so, you know, maybe they're not so high on him, so that... <clears throat> so, yeah, you know. the extras are beyond Jost and Kamenev. We haven't talked yeah. about him. And from what people think... say, he hasn't been fantastic. Like, if they could cut someone, they might cut him, but they might not be able to cut him, so he's, yeah. he'll be there. But from what we hear, are... Logan O'Connor is is, is shown yeah. pretty well. So that's I, I not think... surprising. He's perfect right. for fourth line or a thirteenth forward role. So it's yeah. O'Connor, yeah. 
Tynan, Bowers, Dries. I don't think I'm forgetting anyone. Yeah, that's. I mean, I think I, I think it's between Bowers, Tynan, and Dries as far as I think if, they if have they to cut, cut a forward. It's going to be one of them. They have to cut Dries. I don't. I don't see them looking at him in any sort of elevated role. He hasn't really had any sort of extra opportunity. He's certainly been on like the last line every practice and. Bedner's not. Well, he he fan was of promoted when Tynan was demoted, no, so that's the only. No, that was it. Wasn't him. It was. Oh, that's Con- right. That was incorrect. Stupid yeah. Clark. Shots. <laughs> <laughs> that, so. that was McDonald wearing the wrong jersey too. It would it would be nice to see some of these things, but you know, yeah. I'd be a little bit baffled to see them, you know, give a whole lot of deference even to TJ Tynan just because like, even when he's been with the team Bednar plays him what four minutes yeah the only thing with Tynan is the, he's going to be your guy in Loveland for the next uh, he resigned for a year but you, you look at the way the Eagles tend to go and you know guys like him stay around when they're a little older and, and in a leadership role so um but yeah, but this has nothing to do with loved ones. So it's like they, I could see him being the preference. Over... I could just see like I could see them cut dries in front of Tynan just because. Sure, I um... I would be surprised if they cut Tynan and kept dries for sure. But it's a matter right. how many of these guys they'll cut, and I think they'll cut dries. I didn't. You're right. Bowers is going to be easy, especially since he's missed some time. Which what we're told is Joe high sticked him. On Thursday, yeah. and he hasn't been back. So he's missed he was two riding days the bike off the ice then. with Vernon today. That's a today. good sign. That's a real cutthroat way to maintain your roster spot. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I'm still after like Nieto, but yeah, but getting the forward out of the mix helps him. Maybe he was wearing he was... the wrong jersey too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you feel bad for a guy. This is his opportunity, and. You know, something like that happens. I was good to see that he at least on the bike, so that means he's on the the road to coming back. It just might but might be too late for him. And I know. Well, I mean, today's so- practice was basically a special team scrimmage, and so. I, I mean, we'll I, see I'm more worried that McCarr missed today than than Bowers. Let's yeah, say. and and, we'll, and, we'll and I would probably there. defer to the cycling expert on this one, Earl. But I'm pretty sure you don't. <laughs> pretty sure, unless you've really fucked up, you don't ride a bike with your face. No, I don't. This is what I I think, though. I I think that indicates concussion. Really? Yeah. Because that's the process of returning. You start exercise and you start skating and then you can start, you can join the group. No, he could have broken his nose or something like that. I mean, it's it's been three days. I, I don't know. I, Especially a guy on the fringe, you know that he would be willing to do absolutely anything to be back with the group. Yeah, I, you know, without with with the the amount of information we're getting, it's it's very tough to to even get a feeling of of what's going on here. It sucks to speculate. Every time someone asks, like, (laughs) every time someone asks Bednar about. You know, so and so. Well, the NHL tells us we really can't say anything other than he's unfit to play. Yeah, that, that's one yeah. thing we didn't mention is that the league has decided to kind of take over all press releases in terms of injuries or illnesses. 
which I guess... Thank is, you, gambling syndicates! I, I guess that's probably to protect uh, gambling syndicates and also player privacy a little bit in the age of this pandemic, but... Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, at the same I time, it's it. really status quo for us. Yeah, and that's why we're used to reading the tea leaves. I mean, I hate to speculate on such little information, but that's all we have, and that that's what we're used to. And, yeah, I get why the NHL did it, but it doesn't stop speculation. Like, everyone's going to think anyone's unfit is because of COVID. And it's like, well, no, you have to analyze circumstances around it. Like, you know, he was practicing. It's probably unlikely, you know, things like that. Well, and, I think they just wanted it to be consistent just so, you know, like coaches that do give a lot of information as opposed to Jared Bednar, you know, it would be <laughs> a sort of mixed message thing. They still do, though. It was like, I forget, it was one of the goalies was out for a team. And the coach just openly said, it's not COVID. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have the sores. So it was like, oh, yeah, you know, you see where this is going to go. I wish that they could have at least released a timetable, which I know for the abs would be day to day for every single person. But <laughs> you would at least hope that if someone had a serious injury, you're not doing that. Even Wilson day. is day to day still. Well, he's still unfit to play. Well, yeah. yeah, he's still unfit to play. Like at some point you just have to, you know, cut the crap and just say, <laughs> you know. Well, I, I mean, I would, I would almost rather have that than what you have in the NHL where the, the coach has to look at a sheet and say, like, <laughs> he is doubt, no uh, questionable. And you know, if if they are doing this because of you know sort of personal information reasons, along with gambling reasons, it makes sense that that the the league sort of takes it for at least this round. Yeah, I just um, wish the league would do league mandated timetables. You know, day to day. Or, one, or you know, do the, the the NFL regime where like questionable is seventy five percent, doubtful is fifty percent. Yeah, something yada. anyway. Because I don't right. think the gambling likes having no information. I don't. Right. Think, I don't think that helps. That well, we'll either. we'll see how it starts once they get to the hub cities. We'll see. You know, if there's a daily briefing or a daily sheet on who's injured for what team and and sort of how they frame their status. Well, when teams start getting real injured, too. Yeah. We'll see, though. Where it's like... It won't be Kale like McCarr disappears from training camp. <laughs> so what's up with that? Kale McCarr and his rosy red cheeks are unfit for practice. Well, I think it was, what, Friday? No, no, practice on Friday. No, Saturday. Um, so they did a five-on-five -five portion of the practice. Everyone left so they could... Zambone of the ice, come back and do some special teams work, and he didn't come back for the special teams work. So, from everything I understand, it's not like he left practice in the middle or something happened. It just was he didn't partake in the second portion of it. So, yeah. And then Benner said, of course, unfit to play. And then he also and did go say, we'll see in the morning, which is a little Benner hint. And then obviously in the morning, he wasn't able to go, but. It just seems like one of the tweak kind of nurse something, blah, blah, blah. It's not really that important right now. I don't know. I think it's a little more important than that, just because these last two days were the days that he really wanted to work on special teams, and obviously Makar is a big part of that. So, you know, it's like they ended up having to use 
Sam on the first unit, which is fine. Um, but then they had to use EJ on the second <laughs> yeah, unit, which meant so they bad. couldn't use EJ on the first PK unit, and that's a pain in the ass. So it's no, it's not. It's a you feature. Know... <laughs> um, let's just say they probably wanted to use EJ on the well... PK one, but. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least today, you could have put Byram on the second unit. I mean, that wouldn't be the end of the world to give that look, but... Or Tibbins. I mean, they should not yeah. be, like, forced into using EJ on... Well, I mean, it, th practice, this is but... what would happen if, if Makar went out in real life. No, I know. For they a need... series, so they probably... Right, no, I, know... I know they need to practice that but which is more important yeah. pk1 I... or pp2 you're gonna get 30 <laughs> seconds of pp2 right yeah that's kind of where i'm going but no i'm sure they would like to have him out there but do i think it's like a serious injury i mean who knows right but i don't get the vibe it's like serious but oh i don't either i just i you know i i think if it was something pretty minor he would have come back out you know, sure, I, I just, but then it I, seems I think like... it's it's preventative. Like obviously, you know, if he's got something wrong with his hip or his groin or something like that, like they're really not going to mess with that at this point. So right, that's what I think. Like it's always seemed like when he was injured during the season, it was more of a be cautious with something rather than something that was like he absolutely can't play. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean. They ha they have time. It's like he doesn't even really need to play in in the round robin if it came to that. Right. I doubt we're even anywhere near that conversation. I just I don't feel like it's. I think there's going to be worse things to come up. Let's just put it that way. So <laughs> I think in the grand informative to compare Makar to Bowers in the situation where Bowers is here, you know, fighting for the the right to not get sent home. And so, like, he's still having to scramble to do everything he can, but Makar is on the boat. He, he's got his team. Right. He can, yeah. he can miss some practice to make sure that he's not actually damaged. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like, I don't want to see him miss a couple weeks. I'm not super concerned right now, just because I don't think the way it happened was a big deal, but you, you never know. Sometimes those things you don't see can be, but yeah. I, th I think we're away from panic yet you know I, I would like to see him return i i don't know if you know it, it was so long ago but um he returned after it was only a five game absence but yeah it was his second injury absence of the season but he returned for the last game of the season the regular season against the rangers and <laughs> that game was tore the hell up so yeah um... that i think that game will win him calder i think i i really do think that that game will push him over the edge. If yeah, he wasn't already. He was head to head with Fox. Who... I don't think so. <clears throat> I think I think Hughes had made up substantial ground, and the fact that Hughes was ahead of him and it was six points at that time. Bar got three points in that last game. Yeah, to make I, fifty-one. I mainly remember that that game was just like one hundred percent pants on head, just bizarre and <laughs> very entertaining. Yeah. I was very glad of because it was like literally I've actually, the last regular season NHL game. Considering that what we're about to see are I've not actually watched that games. game twice. Um, I've I've watched that game twice um, since the break. I'm and, totally shocked you watched you know, the Rangers it, getting their ass beat twice. I 
and it's it, i mean it's hilarious because it's like you start watching it like the first time i watched it i you know i'd totally forgotten about it and it's like you're starting out in like Comfer is your your first line center and Jost <laughs> yeah. is your second line center. You're like, oh my god, what in the world is this crap? And it was a really good game. I mean, it was entertaining, fast. I mean, it's like they just sort of. I, I think probably by the second period they knew everything was shutting on down, so they're just going for it. And it, you know, it was a fun game. Yeah, it was good for them to go on a high note. And before we move on from the roster talk, you know what has to come. I mean, we haven't gotten back to the. Coming. We we haven't gotten back to the. Talk the little the boy left in Czechia. Yes. <laughs> Who have we not mentioned this whole time? Martin Kaut. And he is Who, not on the camp roster. He's not even in the United States. Oh, well, the Avalanche no. said they weren't going to use him in the playoffs, and they're not going to. They sure didn't. And I think, <sighs> I think this is a big mistake. I still not happy about this. And especially um, with Kamenev looking so drab in in practice so far, and you know maybe that changes, and he does have a lot more experience. But you know, it, it really looks like a 14th forward. You know, maybe maybe even better than that role. Um, you know, could have been nice, but I just think not to bring him at all is such a slap in the face, especially when you have all the Eagles people hyping up. Oh, these were our good players this year. Like these are the our players that can help the Avalanche, and it's just it like ignores what he accomplished and and that he did prove that he can help them win. And I think that's absolutely what you want to have on hand. Like I understand Plan A isn't to burn the contract, but. I think that's been made into a straw man a little bit at this point. Like I, I understand not burning it, but I really think the benefits of not burning it have been really overplayed. And so, I mean, logically they could be making him more expensive rather than less. Right. We've gone over the reasons why, like if you, you know, the same reason wasn't a bad thing to burn a year of Makar's contract and things like that. It's just, right. if you have a guy that's pretty skilled and, and is going to be in the NHL, then you want him in the NHL pretty quick so you can get a bridge out of it, maybe, you know? Yeah, and I just think that it, he needs to be part of this process. Like, he, he he's the one that needs to spend more time in North America. He needs to continue to work on his English, continue to get used to North America, I think there's going to be a big benefit. These guys are going to play, spend so much time together, just away from the, the game. On the other because... hand, North America can kill you right now, so... <laughs> okay, we're talking about Canada, so I, I think he'll be okay. Yeah. Like, what, like, what is he doing in the Czech Republic? Well, he's practicing, he's skating at a public rink, and he's working out at a public rink. So it's not like they're keeping him safe by not bringing him over. It's just... It's just so unfortunate it, that that he can't be a part of it. He can't start spending more time with his future teammates and his current teammates. That he's not getting that NHL directed work and scrimmages and practice time. And it just just to leave him there, like he is not going to come back over until like late November. And just to leave him there and just say, "Hey, you can just work out on your own." Like there was an article from the Czech Republic that they told him he could not even work out with his old um, Czech extra-league team. Like, he can't work out, he can't practice with them. Like, he can't even be in a 
team like structured workout practice environment he just has to hang out alone for the next six months i think that's very detrimental to his development and it's very disappointing that they would go down that route no disagreement here um and i i'm it sounds like no disagreement from Earl either, who we yeah who we may have lost. He usually would have chimed in with a yeah. No, right I'm now. fine. Oh, there he is. <laughs> okay. No, I, I, you know, I hate it, but it's just, you know, this is an arbitrary decision they've made and they've stuck with it. So, yeah. what are you gonna do? I'm, I'm at that point too, where I'm like, yeah, I knew they weren't gonna bring him. It doesn't make it suck less, but I'm yeah, like, <laughs> I hate it, but it's. I, I would have been, anyway. I would have been floored if they had reversed that idea that they had. Frankly, yeah. I mean, he absolutely could have been part of the process without playing him. I think is the thing. Like, if they drew the line in the sand on playing him, is one thing. But like to just n- act like he he's not even a part of the organization as as someone very close to contributing. I think that's the crazy part to me. And yes, it's the ab. So you nothing with regards to bad development decisions to shock anybody. So I'm not shocked. To that extent, but the fact he didn't even come over for the camp is that's a little crazy. Yeah, if you're going to give camp spots to players that you definitely we we know you don't want getting NHL time, like you're probably not going to take. Like, why waste that spot? But anyway, that's a conversation we have had before. Probably a conversation we'll have again. Frankly, um, yeah, but- yep. Hopefully later rather than sooner, but probably a conversation we'll have again. But a conversation that I have already delayed one time is uh, what's going on at the top of the roster. We yeah. Have, we have a very strong tendency on the show to really hone in on the fringes and the edges and <laughs> and just kind of That's ignore true. that, you know, 20 minutes a night is played by Nathan McKinnon and Miko Ranson. And... So what's up with our top lines? Well, they've... This is interesting, and I, I think it's, it's good to be able to go two different ways in your top six. Um, obviously, on paper, you know, you, you like the idea of the three-headed monster and then the second line centered by Kadri and, and with Burakovsky, and, and then Nachushkin is, is probably a little bit of a surprise, but not really because, I mean, he, you know, he really ended up having a good season. Um, but what they've done is, is swap Burakovsky and Landeskog, and as much as that looks like you're sort of bringing the first line down, if we remember back, if we get in the way back machine before Miko got hurt again, those guys were awful together, and it just doesn't seem like they had it this year, and and a lot of that is, of course, Miko and Gabe's injuries and um, various other lineup pinnacle um but i i tend to think that saving the three-headed monster for when you really need it most and and sort of splitting them up just for general play is a kind of a good idea and burkowski's really played well this year and and i i think he's not i i mean he's going to be a downgrade on landy just because landy's awesome but I, i don't think you miss too much by having him on the first line I think defensively it'll probably be an interesting question. I don't know that this is what they would roll 
out as like starting a game. I think Bednar might be trying something that he can switch to that isn't so much kind of like a blender thing. It's more of a a tested, a practice secondary look, you could say. Because I do think that without Landy on that top line, you're missing a little defensively. But I like what yeah, they've done. Yeah, you definitely are. And that line, even with Landy, had the tendency to get trapped in the D zone a little bit. And um, maybe maybe sometimes you give that up for more firepower. And I do think Burkowski deserves a shot there to see if it works. And I agree with you. I, I like giving Nuke that second line chance. And Bednar even mentioned how well it's because how well he's at suppressing shots and playing defensively. He had an incredible year, not just by resurrecting his career, finding the back of the net again. Like he had an, an incredible defensive year. So I think that's Selkie smart. quality. Yes. And that's not even hyperbole. That's like realistically, he will probably get some votes yeah. for the Selkie. So it. So I think it's a good idea to leverage that, and it's an interesting to to pair him then with Landskog. I'm not sure how, how much they played together. I don't think much. So yeah, that could be little. an interesting combo, and then and then you have Kadri there as the, as the second line center. So I like that that little idea that they've used. And as much as Bednar experiments with things from the camps that we've seen from him, he, he is pretty set on what his ideas are heading into the camp. So he yeah, has and he also loves showing one thing in practice to the public and then doing something totally different <laughs> once <laughs> the puck drops on a real game. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be that. surprised at all if Landy's back on and then with the three headed monster for the first game of at least round one, you know, maybe they, they sort of try this out a little bit in the round Robin, but yeah, and he you know, said being he'll... able to do both those looks, I think, is good. Because, like, all right, if, if you have Nachushkin, Kadri, and Landeskog on a line, I know Bednar isn't really a matchup guy as far as forward lines. He usually he likes matching up defense, but forward lines, he's not so much on that. <clears throat> but that line could be you know very defensively gifted. Um, sort of late in games. Yeah, um, here's an extremely innovative and new idea. What if you didn't use the same lines in every situation? There you go. Like, no yeah. coach uses the same lines in every situation. So if if you're looking at the second line with, with Nachushin on it going, oh, where's the second line scoring? It's a training camp roster. They're maybe looking at a, at a, at a line they can use when they're up two or three goals. Because and I'm sure that the Nemestikov, Comfer, and yeah, and I'm sure Nemestikov, Comfer, and Donny are all going to get time in the in the top six, not as totally. starters, but as totally. is just regular. Yeah, I think Nemestikov is going to be the first one that, and especially that gets yeah. that different look, especially situation. Yeah, because we're about to see a combination of playoff intensity and October rust, which yeah. means no lead is safe. You don't know what's going to happen in the next three minutes of hockey. So if you can actually be the It's team like a Ferrari play, with three pounds of air in each tire. <laughs> so if you can actually protect your lead, then you're doing well. And I like the idea of a sort of shutdown line, even 
Earl said Bednar doesn't really use the line as a shutdown line, but one that is still a proper second line. It still is a proper top six line. Well, that which line I, scores yeah. goals. I, th- I think is progress for Bednar because he loved having that circa a couple years ago, that Soderberg, that blanky kind of vet shutdown line, and I think this is more of a 2.0 type of idea of a shutdown line. Yeah, because yeah, these are, I, I mean, you put these guys out late in a game, and, and they're not just going to be out there blocking shots and, and chipping the puck out. Like, they're going to be creating on, on the, you know, all, <clears throat> all three zones of the ice. So, Because yeah. um, one thing that we've seen with Nichushkin in the offensive zone, he's very good at setting up other players. And then yeah. Kadri will, has never seen a puck he didn't want to shoot. And Gandiscogish right. is, is in front of the net trying to tip it or trying to get the rebound. So this is theoretically a very interesting line. And and when you're trailing, you maybe don't want your third forward on that line to be Nachushkin because you may want someone else who can score some goals more reliably. But on paper, that's a very interesting line. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I mean, if you take the, the top nine as a whole, um, you you have a lot of options. And you can do a lot of different things. So, you know, if Bednar does want to go a little creative with lines, and, and this is just what he's showing now, um, you know, I think he's setting up the guys that are out there well um, to play in their roles. Um, you know, that's just, you look at this top nine, you're like, Wow! Like, go back and tell yourself three years ago, this is what the abs are going to look like, and you're just like, <laughs> okay. So first of I'd all, be... first of all, tell yourself, <laughs> tell yourself in three years, Nachushkin will be on the Avalanche, and you will be glad about it. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly, if you were going to talk to me three years ago, I'd be more shocked about the defense. Oh yeah. <laughs> the defense like, is ridiculous. No way. <laughs> The Avalanche yeah, like, no longer have Tyson. Ian Cole's Berry. on the team, and he's not playing like a ton. <laughs> they traded Tyson Berry because he, there wasn't enough room in the roster for him going forward. Like, hello, what is this? Yeah. So let's um, let's just. I think we just kind of wrap things up at this point with the gigantic asterisk of nobody knows what the fuck's going to happen. Um, we we may play three real games and shut it all down. Um, the everything that you may predict on paper may happen. Like we don't know what's going to happen here. It could it could be anything. So with that in mind, how good do you think the Avs' chances are of coming away lifting the COVID Cup at the end of all this? I think they're real good. As good as I'd ever thought they they'd have a chance. They have a real chance. I I think they're definitely going to have to have some injury luck. Yeah, and. Just luck in general, but they are due. And and whichever goalie ends up being the starter is going to be have to be hot, obviously. Um, I, you know, I remember back in 1996, and it's like that team. Like I look back on that team now, it's like the best team ever. But you know, going into those playoffs, I was like, oh, I don't know, like second round would be pretty cool, you know. <laughs> so you look at this team, and and on paper. It's it's really good. It, it's it's built well. It's got good depth. Um, any of the six defensemen you're putting out there on a regular basis 
you know, I'm fine with. You know, there's there's no more of like, oh God, there's this guy and you know all the problems that the Avs have had for a decade. Um, they finally got in good depth all throughout the lineup, and you know, even if they do have a few injuries. I think they can, as long as it's not worse than everybody else, I think their chances are really good. It helps that the Western Conference is so weak. Um, yeah. You know, I, if they were in the East, obviously, I don't know how anyone, even like Tampa and Washington and Boston, can be really happy with their chances just because it's, you know, they, they just have a, a little bit more of a stronger presence. But. You know, it's yeah, basically just feel the, like... the Avs and the Blues is what it's going to come down to. It does and... feel like a little bit of a changing in the guard. You're right. You don't have the, the San Jose of a couple years ago or some right. of these other really tough teams to get through it. Right. I Nashville's like... the shadow of their former selves and things like that. Chicago doesn't even belong here. <laughs> yeah. I don't think yeah. we can, so, I, I really don't think we can reiterate that enough. Chicago doesn't belong here. And and Winnipeg fell as rapidly as they rose, you know. Um fuck Chicago. I do feel like at. the central I do feel like the central <laughs> division is going to show its muster, I guess you could say during this. I th- I think most if not all will win their play-in series. I think it's going to be very central division flavored in the playoffs. And I, I think some of those teams like Winnipeg and Nashville might play better than we expect, but I do agree with Earl. I feel like this is probably the most excited I've been about the playoffs, but it's so hard to compare because of the circumstance. Like it's just thrilled that it's actually going to happen. Knock on wood. But it really does feel like when they say things like, you know, we're going for the cup, and when you're going to have Peter McNabb and all them talking about, like, oh, this is their opportunity, you know, you're just not kind of laughing, half laughing. <laughs> like, really, dude? Really? <laughs> like, I know anything can happen, but, I mean, let's get real here. Yeah. And I don't, I don't have those kind of thoughts in my head whenever hear about you know this this is it that we could really do it you know i think yeah absolutely this is your chance as good as any so yeah. and, and they're, they're finally getting recognized by the mainstream hockey media i mean it, it, uh, even even guys that have lived on planet toronto their entire lives are like the abs are really good um, <laughs> they're fun to and watch. The they're fast to... and they score a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and the Avs will have to learn to live with those expectations. But yeah, I think this season they have. I think they they knew they were going to be a top team, and they they lived up to it. They lived through that hype. So yeah. I I hope they go deep. I I don't know what I expect. I think. I'd certainly be disappointed if they were out in the first round. Once you get past that, you you never know about mat- matchups, injuries, other teams, whatever. Like, I'm not going to say I expect conference finals or anything like that. I, that's a hard thing to expect, I believe. But I expect this team to get out of the first round and to give themselves a, a really good shot at winning. Yeah, by record, they should get to the conference finals. But obviously... Chaos reigns supreme in the NHL on a normal year. Um, you know, I, I 
I can't see any of the teams in the play-in round in the West giving the Avs that much trouble. And there are a couple that could, and I don't want to really want to think about them, <laughs> like Minnesota. But um, I, I, I don't think if the Avs are playing even reasonably well that any of those teams in the play-in round have a chance. So that that would be the biggest worry. I think if they go out in the second round, uh, I think you sort of have a built-in excuse this year. It's it's not going to sit well, but it's not going to hurt as much as it would if we had normal playoffs. Um, yeah, I wouldn't you know, I think say it... it's a step back, though. But see, I wouldn't say it's a step back. You know, they yeah. they had a better regular season. They were a legitimate playoff team start to finish. And then if they're out in the second round, it's I still would say there's progress. So... For me, yeah. I'd be satisfied. And that's the difference for me, because like I, I think even if they're out in the first round, like that's obviously a letdown. But yeah. I, yeah. I don't think I think disappointment is too strong of a word, just because nobody's played for four months. I'd be disappointed. I mean, <laughs> I, I would personally be disappointed, but it would not be a disappointment if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, well, I would. I, I wouldn't move that. around for several months. No, I, and the I, good thing is, is like the next season starts right away, so you yeah. can get over it pretty quick. Like I definitely want <laughs> better than the first round, but if yeah, I mean, yeah, nobody knows what the fuck's gonna happen. So well, I'm sure I'm, nothing. I'm not gonna be too terribly angry if they end no. up dropping out of the first. Yeah, well, like you and said, it, that there's an excuse. Like you're not gonna think they took a step back or that the regular season was wasn't real. There's just no way. Right. That you're going to look at it like that. So you won't be disappointed like, oh, you know, they're not quite as good as we thought they were. Yeah. Because going into next season, we're going to have at least this kind of same expectation. Yeah, I'll be disappointed in the circumstances, but I won't be disappointed in the team if they end up losing in the right. first round. Yeah. yeah. I think we made this extremely clear um, in, in the last several months that whichever team wins this cup, I, they 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 didn't like they, they didn't really do anything that was amazing or specifically particularly special or deserving unless it's your team and then it matters double. <laughs> hey, sixteen wins is sixteen wins, so I think I'm I'm really glad they settled on that because there's just oh, yeah. no wiggle room there. It's 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 a real cup tournament, and I I think any team that wins should feel properly proud about it i i completely yeah. agree the only thing i don't like about the setup as it is now is that these round zero games count toward playoff stats and that's that's a shenanigan as far as i'm concerned yeah you're not in the playoffs yet they call they say they're not playoff games they don't count toward like playoff you know uh, conditions on trade pieces so what the fuck <laughs> what do you think you're doing? i, th I yeah I think to the extent that it helps players that they, it might earn them more money or something like that. Well, wouldn't them counting as regular season games help them more? See, I I wouldn't like that. I I I firmly am. Everything that happened after the pause isn't l yeah. what life was. No, I know. There's no good place Kansas. to put these games as yeah. far as you know. I would just make a line stat. item. I would just say you know play in. You can have another line item. So. Yeah. I think it'd be definitely worse to add to the regular season because it absolutely is yeah. not. I mean, regular the NHL's season. website is cluttered as it is. Another line's not going to kill it. <laughs> it's, already, it's, it's already shit. 
<laughs> and like for some reason, playoff stats aren't real stats either. That to me that drives me crazy. Where it's like so and so has so many NHL games played, and it like does not include playoff games. Like playoff stats exist on some other planet or something. That drives me crazy. Yeah, it's a little little bizarre. So no matter what ends up happening, um, we we all promise not to get too devastated about it. And I'm glad to hear it. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll revisit this, right? In, <laughs> yeah. In six I'm, weeks? Yeah. I'm sure everybody's just going to be Bonnie happy. <laughs> if <there's laughs> we in the first round. If there's anything that people commentating on sports love to do, it's look back in the past and see whether they were right or not. <laughs> uh, hey, in all satisfying. circumstances, 100% of the time. Um, so, yeah, uh, you can look forward to just some really interesting hockey games in the very near future. Um, like I said at the top, you'll expect to, to hear from us again in a couple of weeks, probably later in the day on Saturday, August 1, to uh, really get a better preview of round zero than, boy, this is going to be weird. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll actually try. And then uh, the following weekend, we'll, we'll look at the actual first round of playoffs when we know what those look like. And, of course, these are all subject to change if conditions change. So, in between now and then, the only advice I have for you is to, you know, keep your head masked and try to stay away from the dirty areas. And we will see you soon. And then when when those guys left, it was Yumi and Yumi and Ryan all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely listened to those. Like I I listened pretty regularly when it was you three. We did. I remember doing one show with Ryan walking down the sidewalk with a with his. I remember that too. Oh yeah, in. that was hilarious. Like, well, I'm here, so I gotta go. It's like, wait yeah, a minute. I, I could I could not do that. I'm just so like. Uh, oh, he did. He did pods all the time where he'd be driving in from Fort Collins to Denver. Yeah. We had no idea. <laughs> I have to focus. Like, I can't just be like, hey, I'm just going to be making dinner while I'm doing this or something. Like, no way. He spent 20 minutes of that show walking down the sidewalk in Denver. And we had no idea until he reached his destination. I know. If that was me, I could have ended up anywhere. <laughs> I don't even like